welcome to a special episode of Rock Candy. Super special. <laughs> yes. We wanted to put that uh, this out as a bonus episode um, because we think it needs to just be really made aware and special um, yeah. and get out for everyone to hear. We really need some eyes on this, on what we're about to talk about. So putting this out as an epi- a bonus episode, I think... Wake we wanted to we wanted bit. to stand apart yeah. from our usual fare and our usual goofiness. Yeah, uh, we were approached by our friend Mary, who you may remember from our Enoch episode back in December. Yeah, when we talked to Enoch Skeeter Thompson. Yep, who was in the band Scream. Yes, and uh, she was wondering if we could have them on and really bring attention to um, justice for Fred Freak Smith. Right, which is, he was um, a guitarist who was in Beef Eater, Mm -hmm. um, which is a very highly regarded DC punk band. Um, They only put out like two albums, but they are albums that everyone in the scene is extremely, you know, it's It's really viewed as quintessential. Very much. Um, And then he went on to be in kind of like a, a, I'd say post-punk. Post-punk pseudo-gothic kind of band called Strange Boutique, who mm-hmm. is very, very good. Yeah, great. Definitely. Actually, honestly, both out. bands. If you <laughs> haven't listened to are. either, like, they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, so we had Mary and Enoch on to discuss um, Fred. Mm-hmm. And we also had Fred's bandmate from Strange Boutique, Steve Willett, yep. on the show. And we all had a big conversation about Fred and his life. And his murder, which happened in 2017. Fred had, at some point, I think in 1994, he had moved to Los Angeles from the D.C. area. And he spent a couple decades there-ish, 23 years-ish. Yeah, I think that that sounds like math. Yeah, he was playing in bands um, and basically just living his life and touring and being a musician out in L.A. Mm. And then... There were there were some steps in between somehow leading up to the end of his life where um, he basically was living in a group home. He left the group home and then at some point in the beginning of 2017, he was found stabbed to death, um, I believe, in a football field. Yeah, or a baseball field, I thought, in a park in Las Palmas Park in the city of San Fernando. Yes. which is a northwestern suburb of Los Angeles. Um, they don't really know what happened. They don't know who stabbed him. They don't know who killed him. Um, they didn't even actually know who Fred was for a couple days. Yeah. yeah. Um, but eventually they figured it out. And they are still to this day working on the investigation into his murder they don't know who did it, but from what Mary has told us, it seems like they may have some leads. Right. Um, they're still optimistic. They're still optimistic. Which is good. I mean, not a lot of cases get that kind of, right. you know, result. Right. So, yeah, we had we had Mary and Enoch and Steve on to talk about Fred, their memories of Fred, Um Back when they were all in the same scene and mm-hmm. playing in bands together. And, you know, the what Mary has done to bring some um, 
awareness to bring some awareness <laughs> to <laughs> to the whole to his murder and yeah, to the investigation and his entire story because the more eyes you have on this kind of kind of thing the the better your chances are of figuring out what happened right. and the better better chances you have of getting justice for him so i think in the show notes we'll probably have some links to some articles you yep. can read about fred and um a link maybe to the facebook group yes the justice for fred um facebook group mm -hmm. definitely be a part of it definitely get the word out about this because it's very important to a lot of people yeah and it sounds like fred was just a freaking great guy that yeah. did not deserve anything that happened. And also, this can lead to a much bigger conversation about mental health, access to help for mental health and, and mental healthcare. illness, yeah. and health care. And like Mary said, safe spots, yeah. safe places, places where people have resources and have the help that they need. Because that is a recurring theme on our show. Yeah his mental health and how things could have been different if people just had access to help that they needed. Yeah. We have told that story way too many times and lost way too many amazing right. musicians to this. And also, you know, Fred sounds like, or Fred was someone who was insanely influential to the DC punk right. scene. And his a lot of people credit really... his style right. to their, I mean, absolutely talented amazing it's just yeah it's a goddamn tragedy and it you know what we need to find justice for him yeah so that's why we're doing this episode so that they could give us all the details and help us get to know fred a little bit and he seems like a pretty he was a pretty awesome guy yeah and it's seriously very upsetting that anybody has to deal with this right, right now so so take a listen without further ado Let's get into this conversation All right, with these lovely people. Hey, and here we are. We are with our friends, Enoch and Mary, and we are also welcomed by Steve Willett. So we are all here to sit down, have a talk about Fred, um, share some stories, and hear more about the investigation from people who have firsthand first knowledge of things that are going on and can probably describe it far better than we could. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you guys all for coming on, first of all. Mm -hmm. so, Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. And thanks for having us. No problem. And thank you for everything you're doing with um, the investigation and getting the word out about Fred and who he was and this crazy, crazy story of his. Yeah. So why don't you guys, whoever wants to go first, can tell us about who Fred was and what uh -huh. you remember about him. Steve, you want to start off? Start it off because you were in a band with him. I never had the yeah sure, pleasure. Sure, sure. So, um, well, I, I was in uh, Strange Boutique with Fred. Um, so we were in a band together from about like somewhere around '88 to '94. So, you know, you can imagine, um, you know, a lot of time in in the back of a van together and um, traveling around the country and a lot of time in rehearsal. You get to um, know people very, very well in the you, back of the you certainly do. You certainly <laughs> do. It definitely becomes family, you know. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I have to say that I, I never saw Beefeater, which was the band that Fred 
was in before. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're, you know, kind of legendary in DC. I mean, they, they yeah. were definitely, you know, um, something uh, of note and special, um, but, but I hadn't seen them. So, you know, I, I answered an ad in the city paper um, to, to, to hook up with these guys. And um, that, was, that was actually the first time that I met Fred was, you know, going to, to an audition. And, um, you know, we just, uh, the four of us clicked right away and it was, it was pretty immediate, you know, not, not just musically, but just, um, you know, just getting personalities in a room. And, 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 you know, that's a big part of being in a band. You know, if you, oh, can't, yeah. if you can't travel around with somebody, it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to play totally. music. Or any sort of you wouldn't period. have been around for six years if you guys no. didn't get along. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. And uh, you know, it, you know, I, I think a lot of people know Fred outside of um, you know, sort of a band or sort of close relationship sort of context. And, and he's, you know, definitely a very out, outgoing and outspoken character, sort of larger than life. But um, you know, the, the first few months that I knew him, you know, because all of my interactions with him were, were in a basement sort of practice space, and I never really had any idea what I was in for. Oh, until <laughs> until the first time we played together and um you know so the, our first show together we we played at 9 30 club and and it was it was sold out it was like a, it, was a, it was a big deal for me I, i'd never been in a band that was you know i would say that's a big that deal kind of popular, right and um you know we, we went on the stage and and before before monica could even could even get to the microphone fred fred like brushed her aside gave her the elbow grabbed the microphone <laughs> And uh, pulled me over and said, "Hey, this hippie goth fucker is our new bass player." <laughs> and, uh, and then he just, you know, just ripped into just these like squalls of noise on the guitar, and 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 we just took off. And I, and I had never seen a whirling dervish like that on stage before. He was just a complete madman. I just, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that was, you know, just sort of like take my spot in the back and, and just let him do he his doesn't thing. Knock me over or unplug my guitar or something. Yeah. And that's when you knew it was meant to be <laughs> for this. Uh, well, yeah, this it, was, it was a great welcome, and just you know, <laughs> I mean, it it, um, uh, it it was it was something special to, to share a stage with that guy, just because he 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 loved being in that that moment, and and he lived it a lot. Uh, you know, uh, he didn't hold anything back, and and I think uh, you know, I don't think he did that in real life either. But on stage, I, th I think he he sort of amplified everything about him. him himself and I yes. think really really where he felt at home and 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 just sort of you know free to be who he wanted to be and who he was right yeah yeah the great thing about watching him on stage that he was uh, uh, a lot of things were really effortless for you know when you watch Fred he was a big guy so mm -hmm. and you know but he moved quite you know effortlessly on stage and I must say quick and very agile. Yeah, <laughs> quick and agile. Yeah, <laughs> makes you want to like stand out of the way so you don't get knocked. Yeah, but the next day he's a big guy, so you better stand. And he, on, and he always had on like sort of like a, a, like motorcycle boots. It was like yeah, yeah. A, the, the motorcycle boots, and you had the chains. You know, the chain. Yeah, it was almost like Mad Max. Yeah. You know, you had here you had strange boutique or Madhouse at one time. You guys, 
were you a part of Madhouse too? I was not. So they had just they had just changed the name from Madhouse to Strange Boutique, and that was yeah. right around the same time that Fred had joined, right? So that yeah. all sort of happened right at the same time. And you know, that's Yeah, but yeah. yeah I think they were looking to make a change, you know, sound wise, and their bass player had 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 left, and you know, Fred had just joined the band more or less a few months earlier, so. Um, uh, you know, I think me not necessarily having a, a punk rock background sort of fed into that. Well, it's sort of take like a stylistic change a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, you talk about being very agile, you know, and, and, and sort of like the energy Fred had, had on stage. One of, the, um, one of the big things that happened in Fred's life was that, that he invested in a wireless transmitter for our, right? <laughs> so so when, when Fred was freed from having a, a guitar cable attached oh to an amplifier, it, it was like, oh my goodness. So <laughs> He could go anywhere. Did, the first show that we did where he had the wire the wireless um, transmitter on his guitar, it was at 9:30. And he left the stage, right? <laughs> during the during the middle of not only during the middle of the show, but during the middle of the song. He left the stage, right? And he had to had to elbow his room to the back, the back bar at 9:30 and it ordered a Fred special while we were playing, right? <laughs> What yeah. a Fred special, and had somebody follow him back to the stage carrying his. Uh, I was there because he was still and playing. And orange juice, yes. the floor, right? Back oh to God. the stage, um, and and that was. I, I think he just thought that was the greatest thing since. Like, <laughs> he just wanted to show off. Oh well, yeah. of course, <laughs> of course you Fred? would. Fred? No. Yeah. That's an amazing novelty, actually. Yeah. To be like, oh yeah, and this is the part where the guitarist just leaves the stage and goes orders his own yeah. drink. Yeah, the other three of us were like, did, did he just quit? I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. Nobody, I'm sure, it was not like choreographed. Nobody oh, else knew that. Nothing with Fred was ever choreographed. Yeah, and this but, is Fred as spontaneous as ever. But also, we need to know what's in the Fred special. Oh, it's vodka oh. and orange juice. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and, and whatever sort of cheap domestic beer was on special. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it, was, it was two drinks, right? You know, oh, beer. I thought you meant he mixed okay. a screwdriver no, with no, no, beer. No. I'm like, wow. You would order, and, and it got, and that was sort of like a, um, you know, one of the other things I wanted to, I was going to share with you guys that, you know, so, but, but remind me to come back to the Fred special because it ties sure. in, right? So, <laughs> you know, again, I hadn't really done a lot of touring when I joined the band. Um, and Fred had been around the country multiple times with Beefeater, right? And so one of the things that, that, that I always got a kick out of and just sort of really amazed me is that everywhere we went, everywhere, any club, any town where we needed to sleep over, Fred knew somebody. And, it, and, and we would walk into a bar <laughs> in like the middle of bumfuck nowhere, right? To play a show. Kalamazoo. And, and out of the back <laughs> of the room, you would hear, Fred! Oh my God. <laughs> And, and just yeah. everywhere we went, somebody knew Fred or Fred knew somebody. Um, and and he, would, he would train bartenders in all the bars that we would play about the Fred special. Wow. Right? So he would go into, then the next time we would come back, he would, I, I'll get a Fred special. And they would know because he was very memorable and, you know, uh, you know just, just charming in his own sort of way, right? So everybody yeah. remembered Fred special and they, they'd queue him up with a... Uh, you know, a vodka and orange juice and a uh, and a cheap beer. Wow, that's that's a special personality right there. When you can just walk in anywhere, and it's like, hey, Fred's special. And they're like, yeah, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Man, that's the thing. He was like, 
on another level, he's like, you know, the one name, you know, like, I guess, you know, you got Sade, you got Sade, you got, you know, what, Madonna. You got Madonna, you got Prince, you got Elvis, and you got Fred. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now Freak, you know, even, even when he changed his name, it was like poignant. It was like perfect. It makes like, sense. Okay, I could dig it. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And it and it was and he what's this what's the phrase? He told it, it was him. It was it was no denying. And I didn't realize this until I spoke with his daughter last week. The legal name change was freak in all capitals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all yeah. caps. Okay. Yeah. All caps freak. Yeah, just freak. Yeah. yeah. Is there a story behind the name change? Or was he just like, I'm sick of Fred, I'm going freak. I think, you know, when he went to, when he actually left DC area, it was to like, you know, it was to put himself out there. He was, he wanted to break through, he wanted to break all molds and break all, you know. Just do all something crazy and innovative. And everything, yeah. I, I he wanted to burn all illusions. looking for a, a clean slate, you know, just okay. to. Yeah, it's kind of hard for him because I, I think even when he went to L.A., you know, he still knew a lot of people. But, um, you know, the the uh, the freak thing, um, you know, something that he did a lot from the stage was was, was interact with the crowd. Right. I mean, yeah, clearly <laughs> yeah, he, he never he rarely took the microphone from Monica, but, you know, he would yell. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he would always yell, what a bunch of fucking freaks. Oh, yeah. Off the stage and everybody and everybody would off of it and yell back at him right and yeah. so you know you know we were talking earlier about the you know the, the, the sort of like the the expression fucker you know he meant it as a term of affection right but mm -hmm. that, that morphed with freak right you were either freak or fucker or one of the two right <laughs> yeah. um and and i i i think he just sort of you know because people got used to him yelling it at them they would yell it back and, and I think he just sort of took on that 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 name and that persona. Um, and I remember him him telling me about his driver's license that, that that he was really excited that he'd gotten the driver's license when it said freak. Um, and then uh, you know I don't know it was a little while after that you know um, uh, my my wife and I went to visit him and he was really really excited to show us that he had gotten a parking ticket from the <laughs> LAPD and he had it. He had it stapled to his apartment wall because it was addressed to freak. Oh, I love <laughs> that. Um, uh, so he, he was just yeah, really excited. I could only imagine. I don't know if you've ever been in L.A. L.A. cops, Rampart Division, is the most intense cops they are. I don't, I don't know if they just breed them from like birth, <laughs> the cop, and they just like start feeding them steroids from. But they're huge cops always, and they always have a shitty attitude. Mm -hmm. I mean, the worst attitude you can, and, and I can imagine them even having to deal with that, having, having to deal with freak at any point in time, because I'm yeah. sure he was a daywalker, and they'd be like, okay, give me your ID. You know, come on, and sir, and they'd be all stern, and they'd be like, hey, hey, hey Mac, come look at this. this guy's <laughs> name here, look at his name. Is this real? It has to be fake, his name is Freak. All capital letters, and they would just probably, you know, it'd be okay, fuckers, and he would not, he would not <laughs> bend character. Yeah. The only time I ever seen him like really even tone it down a bit is when he was on TV, because oh. he'd have to tone it down because they would obviously cameras would be drawn to him, mm -hmm. you know, because you know, but then he would, he'd had enough. I mean, it was all just, just he had enough presence of mind that 
tone it, you know, get get the attention and tone it down enough to yep. keep the attention. He wasn't so abrasive to where you know you you know turn this turn turn off on him. You, like 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 Steve was saying, he it was like a ter- term of endearment, you know. Right, right. But he everybody would you know I guess everybody would just embrace it. But it was uh, it happened so quick. Like I guess that was you're right, Steve. It was it was more like freak at first. He would like say, "Oh, you guys are a bunch of freaks," and he'd be, "Hey, you freak," and that you know. And I guess if he knew you well, it turned him to fucker. But it was never <laughs> taken in a in a serious way. It was always no, 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 no. Fred, yeah. Fred, you know, um, he he wasn't a, he wasn't a confrontational person. He he was he was always warm and welcoming. You know, um, but but you know. You mentioned the LA cops. You know, I heard somebody. I don't remember where I heard them, the expression. But but it was in you know one one of the articles. You know that after Fred died and people were, were talking about him, mm-hmm. um, and someone made made a reference to Fred having appreciation for comedic confrontation. Right. <laughs> you know, he had a he had a he had a, a natural sort of really sort of organic way of sort of um, dialing down. Or de-escalating situations, yeah. right? Um, and and part of you know that that was just that was, I get maybe it was from working at, at clubs and being a bouncer, you know. Yeah. But he, he had he yeah. had a, a really easy and natural way to sort of just dial down a, a sort of like mm-hmm. tense situation. Um, he was a people person. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. People person. He always had enough time. People, most people, right? You know, are rushing around. One thing I can definitely, and Fred was definitely rushing around, but he would, he would always try to, he, he always like would try to slow you down a bit just so he can get his point across, even yeah. if he had something to, you know, say. Well, I think one of the one of the sort of really endearing things that I've, you know, appreciated about the uh, the page that Mary put together is reading people's memories of Fred, and you know how so many people would say that. Um, you know, I, I was a suburban kid and I would come into the city and I'd, I'd see this guy and I'd be totally intimidated by him. And, and then out of the blue, he'd walk up and hand me a beer or, or like you know, the next time I saw him, he'd remember chatting with me, you know, it just, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that, that, that's been really, really sort of, you know, heartwarming to see that people sort of remember that about him and that, um, you know, that, that was definitely a very Fred thing to do. Seems like he had a very memorable exterior yeah. and memorable outward appearance. And then when you really got to know him, he was actually kind of soft inside. Like, yeah, very, very memorable. And that, that is what really hooks the claw into you and yep. makes him super memorable. Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty awesome personality to have. Definitely. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen, just to sort of change the subject a bit, have you ever seen the, uh, what is what's the guy's name from the Tonight Show? What's the guy? Oh, the, the the Leno footage. Yeah. Have you ever seen the the Leno footage, ladies? No, I don't think no. so. Oh, you got. It's you, you know how you know how Jay Leno Jay Leno has the streetwalkers like the street yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. He had that bit where yeah he would talk to. Yeah, at one street. at one point he met Freak Fred on on the sidewalks and. Oh, really? and, uh, you know fred also wanted to get in the movies and everything so you know so you know they just do this whole dialogue and you know, fred he was on point you know a lot of times when those when they do those sidewalk things people look like complete 
you know. Yeah, idiots. Fred was like, you know, he started off and he's, he take it was like because he had Fred had this. He was older. He had lost the dreads and everything. So, mm -hmm. it's a he looked, you know, a little bit you know, sort of stayed. He had that, you know, you know how it looked like he was a rookie, like he'd never been on TV, just like like staged in there, like, oh, watch, Jay's gonna sit this guy up. <laughs> but he did, he did a skit, and it was on point. So to such a point that they actually gave him a green screen behind yeah. him, yeah. and he actually did the skit. That he was talking about, you know, he, he did a scene from Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. from Pulp Fiction, and he did it. <laughs> oh my God, like, I need to see this. And then, you know, they gave That's him a wig. They gave him a wig and everything to look like Sam, uh, Samuel Jackson. And it was like, you know, and I will bring down with great wrath. And oh my, and I was just like, oh my God, for plot. And it's, you know, and and I talked to him, and he said like they didn't. He said it was a one take thing. Didn't mm -hmm. like. That's amazing. Doing it, it was like when they put. They said, "Okay, you got, you got five minutes to do this," and so they had to get him, and the, the suit and the wig and <laughs> green screen, and boom, he did it in one take. That is some amazing talent. Yeah, and I'm sure. I mean, that's just that's just the sort of energy he had. Yeah, yeah. He was in another band out there. Uh, He's in a group uh, called Blacksmith. Yeah, and I was like amazed because I, at the time, like like you said, Steve, you guys were together to like ninety, the mid nineties or something. Yeah, yeah. About the mid nineties, I was raising a family, so I was like totally out of it, having children and whatever in Arkansas, and uh, and so I I knew nothing about it, but then uh, I saw these every now and then, you know, thank God for like YouTube and stuff, and then. I saw Fred in this band and I was like, oh my God, finally. Because that's the thing, even like in Strange Boutique, you guys, uh, DC, like the music scene was like really vibrant at the time. It was, I guess it, although it was uh, considered alternative, mm -hmm. it was like the only happening thing and, and, and it was happening thing in the city. You had Go-Go, you had our scene and any place that we had like, the 930, of course, in DC space, but they were also the Landsberg building were like would hold like a thousand people and people would, it would be sold out and bands like it, but it would be a multi split of different bands. It was hardcore bands, goss bands, ska bands, you know, metal bands, not real. It was yeah, just there, there were definitely. There were definitely clicks, but but or not clicks, but there were definitely like sort of genre, sort of specific kind of things. But but what I always thought that was great about the shows is that, um, you know, like like we would do shows with 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 Jawbox or or um, yeah, exactly. or Shutter to Think, you know, the, the Discord bands that, that that didn't really have anything to do with us sonically, but 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 you would see the same people in the crowds, right? Yes. You know, so. Um, DC, it was just it was just a really really great sort of like 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 Enix said, but just really sort of a vibrant music scene, and, um, and even even the differences between the bands that Fred was in, like Beefeater, is very different than Strange Boutique, oh, yeah. and the fact that he could play guitar in both bands and make it great, <laughs> that's a lot of it talent was, too. It was pretty seamless. I I remember you know like. I, I'm pretty sure, like when he was in Beefeater, there were no there were no effects pedals. I mean, it was it was yeah. just 
the Stratocaster into a chord into an amplifier. Yeah. Um, and one Maybe of the things, volume pedal. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things he and I talked about when I first, you know, started like talking to him about, you know, writing music and, and just sort of what we were, you know, we didn't talk too much about what we were going to do, but, um, you know, he was really, really looking to sort of stretch his sonic sort of shape. So, you know, and, and I, I was sort of like a pedal geek, you know, as a, you know, find yourself some choruses and some delays and some, weird, and then and, and he just ate that up and, and he just took it and it was just like, boom, it was just light bulbs and just like whole new palettes. Mm -hmm. And, cool. and he just, he just ran with it, you know, it's like one, once he plugged them all in, it was just, it was like, he'd been doing it. Yeah, that, that had been a sound forever. Yeah, from yeah. whatever I've, from the things I've read about him, it seems like he really did have that hunger to learn new stuff just about music in general and try yeah. out different things. And I read that he actually taught the bass player in Beefeater how to do more of the slapping technique, yeah, which, yeah. which yeah. set Beefeater apart from everybody else and made them, you know, such a big deal that they are. Oh, yeah. So the fact that somebody could like take all these different influences and still have all of that hunger for more knowledge, mm -hmm. that's Definitely. pretty, that's pretty talented. Yeah. That's his, his character and, and his energy sort of, um, I sort of take, take, take over, take front and center, but, but what, you know, Fred was an amazing, amazing musician. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Intimidating <laughs> actually for me. Yeah. <laughs> he, I, mean, he really, I, I, you know, I think most good musicians will tell you you get better by playing with musicians that are better than yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, I, I definitely think that I I got better by playing with Fred because and uh, he 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 took. I really feel like I grew a lot as a musician by playing with him. Um, and and, I, uh, did he read? He also read music too, didn't he? He could I, read. I don't know that, I don't know that he did. I, well, I, I was wondering. I don't know because Dave Byers, which is another brother passed away but uh i know dave and doc knight all read and those guys would hang out and talk like all the you know all sorts like music of music theory and stuff <laughs> well they would just talk about all different artists and go on and on yeah yeah about stuff like that so i always wondered but i know that for sure that this like you were saying the seamless bit from going from beefeater to strange boutique and that's what i was pretty amazed at because you know like even though the, the scene was pretty vibrant you know mm -hmm. and like you said the scene like the same people in the audience would be pretty much would be the same people in the crowd mm -hmm. but i started to notice a big influx of people coming like newer faces and coming and, and even when danny and monica at Mad madhouse even because now that you mentioned it it was Madhouse was a total different band, pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. Only members that were the same were Danny and Monica. Danny and Monica, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so that's what I mean. It's like, that's right. So, and the sound was totally different. So when he told me he went, because we would, I would see, fortunate enough, I would see him at different shows and hang out with him. And, you know, uh, you know, I just, I know him other than uh, just him playing. I know him as bouncer and, hang out you know at his other his day job so to speak mm -hmm. when he was working in some sort of like a party like party place where they would sell party like favorites and stuff and uh but he definitely grabbed on because you're right and beefeater was more the sonic sound of the straight maybe a distortion 
and mm-hmm. like lots of volume, straight Marshall stacks and mm-hmm. Fender. Strange Boutique was more melodic and, you know, airier, you know, but still have a thick sound now and then, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. He'd, he'd dip in and dip out and, and just different, different well, that, sound. That something I think that he took really, you know, because I, I guess coming from Beefeater, you know, I, I don't think, well, it was a different songwriting approach, right? So so I think yeah. when he joined Strange Boutique, and, and one thing that, that he and I talked about was, was was making space for Monica so that she didn't have to scream. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so, they, so that she didn't have to be the hard, the, the hardcore girl, right? You know, the yeah, She could actually she, sing and not have to put right, all the words in. You know, that was one of the things <laughs> that I on a lot was, you know, dialing back dynamics here and there, you know, so yeah. Monica, you know, didn't have to, to struggle. But, you know, when she wasn't singing, it was, it was you know, game on right you know you yeah. can do whatever you want to do um and uh, you know that's why you know if you listen to our stuff a lot of times when monica is singing um you'll hear fred playing very sparsely mm-hmm. like note wise but but with the the effects and the colors that he's got going it fills a really broad sound right um but dynamically it, it made room for monica to sort of you know sort of be the the, the focal point um yeah. And that's what was great about Strange Boutique, I thought, it was because a lot of like female vocalists at the time were doing a lot more, I mean, especially in our scene, mm-hmm. they were more aggressive, more yelling, more, she was much more melodic, gave more space for the music without, you know. Now, I think when I think when I when I first answered the ad and started talking to to Danny about, you know, what what they wanted to do because they sent me the their demo tapes and uh you know it's like wow this is this is I, i'm not quite sure i i can do this because it was you know they the the bass player that they had at the time was sort of like like dougie from beefeater you know it's very sort of slap kind of mm-hmm. stuff as i you know it's just it's just not my style i don't know if i can do that and and he said one of the things that the three of them you know danny monica and fred had talked about doing was doing something that was more melodic and maybe a little less frenetic, but had some energy. And he threw out two reference points for him. He said, you know, I, I sort of see us coming at somewhere between uh, Killing Joke and Cocteau Twins, right? Oh, they, I could, wow. They, they wanted to have, you know, the, the strength and, and pardon the expression, but the balls of Killing Joke, right? The yeah, sort of yeah. intensity, but have, have the, the, the colors and, and the sort of the, 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 the melodies. Uh, yeah. Uh, what the cocktail twins were doing at the time which was you know amazing yeah. that would be a nice sweet sweet Ingenious. spot that is a nice sweet spot. <laughs> oh man yeah that's great now i know mary i think that you had reached out to try to get some stories from anybody else i didn't know if you had any to share oh yeah i have to say you guys were talking about how much he influenced so many people musically and i have to say that I can't tell you how many people have said the same thing to me, except like as a person, um, Bobby Sullivan, who possibly is one of the sweetest human beings to ever live. The only thing he had to say is that he is a better person because Fred was his friend coming from Bobby like that. That almost makes me like emotional. Um, Just the impact he had on people as a person, you know, like Steve, you were saying, like, you often wondered if he didn't start calling people like fucker because, you know, like he didn't remember names and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Probably true, but I would say at least half a dozen people have reached out who maybe met him two or three times 
And the second and third time they met him, he approached them in a strange place yeah. with the drink they had ordered <laughs> the last time. And he remembered yeah. their dog's name and he knew that their grandma had died because he had heard from a friend in common. Like he just, he drew people in as a person and it was, he had like this big, crazy, loud, wild, you could hear him entering a room because of the boots and chains personality, but like he would also remember your birthday and make you feel good if he saw you that out, out that night kind of thing. Wow. Um, and I guess like for me, I, you know, kind of started this because it was important to Enoch. Like this has been something that has really troubled him from the start. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, hey, we've got some free time. <laughs> we might as well <laughs> right? get with it. Yeah. Um, but the more I talk to people and the more stories I hear, and they're all just so beautiful. Like this has just become something I'm really emotionally attached to now. Um, Did you know him to personally too, Mary? No. Okay. No, I have no That's connection beautiful. to this whatsoever. <laughs> aside from being the, the nice, helpful lady who started... <laughs> Yeah, Enoch is, uh, he's surrounded by helpful white ladies. He really is. I like that. We so, try. I threes. I threes, here we are. Um, now, one of the things I have to say, I was struck by how many people, and Steve, I'm really impressed that you were actually able to speak about this. How many people are like physically incapable of actually talking out loud about this still they're too like, emotional yeah you yeah, know um yeah like it's i'm you're actually doing really well mm -hmm. um kenny cron is one i have spoken to kenny so much he was the last drummer for beef eater um he was on their last album um but he will tell you <clears throat> the two worst days in his life were obviously the day when freak was lost and kind of like word got out and he found out he said it was one of the most crushing losses he's ever had but the other worst day ever was finishing up the last set that he did with Beefeater, of which there's some amazing video by the way it's in the group um and he helped fred move his equipment over to where he was going to be working with strange boutique and he said the feeling walking out of that room and realizing like that was it Aww. was absolutely awful so then I asked him what one of his best memories of being in a band with him was. And I love this because again, we're talking about his many influences and this big gruff exterior. One of his happiest memories being on the road with Beefeater was being in Minneapolis and um, Fred dyeing his hair at the hotel and then going out to see the movie Purple Rain in Minneapolis because Prince, by the way, was one of his absolute heroes. Oh, wow. Um, and then later on being able to play at like one of like the big Prince venues in Minneapolis. And it was wow. like, he said, Fred was absolutely in heaven and he had never seen him just so like over the top happy and like just such pure joy at an experience, which I would say if you've toured with Fred, that's probably saying a lot to yeah. be there for, you know, <laughs> one of those kind of unique pinnacle moments. Um, God, I would lose it too. If I got to see Purple Rain in Minneapolis and right? play at a Prince. Venue. Venue. Right. I, I too have my own prince issues so I totally get it <laughs> absolutely um Pete Stahl Pete gave an absolutely beautiful Instagram post talking about the group and just kind of what um Fred meant to him and he said and this is another another one you get a lot Fred was a loving and unique individual and he did talk about the DC scene but 
he also, and Steve, I know you had a little bit more insight there. Fred basically had a whole second life in Los Angeles and jobs people never knew he had and, you know, bands that he picked up with. And if you look at pictures, like there's a bunch of pictures from different Scream shows, he randomly popped up all over the place. Oh yeah. I have to say, I remember that Jay Leno video actually went viral and it was all over social media, like when social media was still kind of newish. How about, I didn't know Beefeater. I remembered <laughs> that video. Oh, it's <laughs> it awesome. Viral. So he was, he was just, he was everywhere. He was universal. Um, and it gets universally to, loved. Ubiquitous, right. Hmm? We used to, we used to, we used to refer to him as being ubiquitous, right? And, Yes, because of you know being able to walk into a bar anywhere and someone would know him and and know his drink. You know he was just ubiquitous. It was a thread. Yeah, actually, one of the sweetest stories in the group is from a kid in Cleveland who met him in like the early two thousands. But every time Fred passed through that area, until the very end, he would still call this kid when he was in town. Oh, and they would end up hanging out. And this was just some kid he ran into at a festival. Right. So it was. We didn't sleep on his in his living room floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing know. how he remembered everybody. Yeah, I can't. I can't even I remember yesterday. my own name half the time, and this yeah. guy remembered just random people that he met once in a random place. That's and details and details about their life. Like shit, I had what? <laughs> he was a, a people type person in every aspect. I mean, yeah. I know that uh, one of the last times I saw Fred Freak uh, was in D.C. actually, and he was coming to his band. He had another band that he put together, and he did a small tour. And I think he, he had like 10 shows scheduled for the tour, and the first two shows were great. But someone in the band got sick like on the third show oh. and things sort of fell apart. And I think DC was like the next to last show. And Fred was like, I would say he was, you know, I never played in a band with Fred, but I can definitely see that he would be the type, like the show must go on type, mm-hmm. you know? And he would, you know, and he was like, well, we got these, these, you know, these shows booked. And so we're going to go ahead and do it. And I, and he knew people, like you said, in just about every town. So he, he always thought that he'd be able to pull it through. And it just, and that was, the, sorry to say, the last time I saw him, it was not the best, like, I guess, uh, for him, like, you know, being on stage, it was very uncomfortable to watch. But like, like always, like after the show, he hung out in D.C. for like another week or so at uh, Anthony and Claudia's house, I believe. And uh, and we ended up going to a couple of shows in Baltimore. And he was, you know, even though the toy had fallen apart and maybe it was not a very good showing at Black Cat in front of like a lot of his friends, mm-hmm. he, you know, he wasn't down. He wasn't in, it was just like, hey, come on, fucker, let's go. <laughs> go watch the show. And I was like, dude, man, I'm sorry about the show. He's like, oh, man, I tried. It just wasn't meant yeah, to be. That was uh, actually Danny and I 
at, at the last minute we 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 went and and played a couple of songs that night. So yeah, we, we did two strange boutique songs and Fred sang them. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, with, with no was... practice at all. I mean, the three of us hadn't played together in I don't know ten or fifteen years because uh, Danny was, yeah. Danny had left the band you know a couple years in. So um, and we just. Fred was like, "Yeah, it's it's not working. The band's not here." And I was like, oh, "Danny, and I'll come down. Yeah. We'll come down. We'll do a couple with you." Um, so yeah, that was that was a, a that was a weird night. But um, that was I mean, weird, I mean, but he took it, helpful. He took it, he took it like uh, he took it straight on. No, you know, he's like, "I'm gonna try my best and give you what I have." Yeah, a lot of people would just be like, "Well, this was awful, and I'm never doing this ever again." <laughs> But he yeah. was just like, man, just a bump in the road. Just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. With me, with, with me, and I must say, because I'm like, I'm must, I'm, I, I probably would have just not gotten on stage and not tried anything and just everybody yeah, wouldn't even been done it. it. It wouldn't even. I mean, but that's that's. I mean, Fred had's like, he's like, well, I said I'm gonna do this, and I don't. That that that's also part of an artist, you know. Part of an artist has to be. Mm -hmm vulnerable you know you have to show vulnerability now ian at some point in time actually pointed to that show at one of the points where he realized that fred was really maybe struggling in some ways that people weren't quite yet aware of yeah. um, and it was not long after that steve correct me if i'm wrong that he started kind of pulling back a little bit more from kind of some people and things that were happening but this is another thing that I would really love to have come out is that a lot of people who have approached me very concerned that, you know, people think that, you know, people were turning their backs on him or that he was not supported or he didn't have people to reach out to. And I think it's super important that people know that the people who knew him best really felt that a lot of what was happening towards the end was really intentional, that. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't was, that people were just going away and being like, no. weird, something's happening, we're done. It was no, you know, not at all. Yeah, you know, not at all. Um, and Steve, I know that you've got some stuff to say about that. Well, I, I think Fred retreated. You yeah. Know, uh, you know, uh, I, Does anyone of, really I, have any I, idea why? I guilted him into contact. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would leave him voicemails, you know, just, you know, dude, the people that love you want to know you're all right, you mm -hmm. know, respond. Um, and, you know, he, he generally would, but, um, you know, it, it was, it was not, you know, um, I, I guess, yeah, you know, I, I want to be delicate how I say this. I, I, I think, I think that he was comfortable with the idea of sort of retreating and not being yeah. an ongoing gregarious freak anymore. I think he was sort of comfortable with just sort of pulling back a little bit and trying to focus on Fred. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, he he was definitely struggling with some issues, and I think he just needed needed some time and some space. And um, I mean, I, I definitely still still kept in touch with him. Monica and I saw him, um, I guess maybe a year before yeah. before he was killed. You know, the three of us got together in LA and and had dinner or uh, had lunch at a diner and and had a great afternoon together. Mm -hmm. And um, but you know, all, even when Fred had sort of retreated and, and sort of was struggling, you know, um, the three of us sort of kept in touch a lot. So, mm -hmm. so from what I read in the articles you you sent to me, Mary, was 
I'm, I get the impression that nobody really knows how he ended up homeless. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I don't know, maybe the articles didn't really deep dive as much, but is there anything that you can add that you know of since you're in connection with the detective who is on, on this investigation? Um, any insight into what exactly happened or what they're looking into or where the investigation is going? Yeah, I guess. I, I hate to, I like all the fun stories. I know. But, but <laughs> I, I think this, like, is, this is important though. I think Steve, yeah. you're, 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 you're probably a little bit more knowledgeable on the first part of that. Um, well, I, I don't know what led to it because I didn't get a chance to talk to him you mm -hmm. know, once he left. But Fred had been living in a group home. Okay. Uh, for at least a year if not longer um and i don't believe his mother knew that um right mm -hmm. i think i think just a few few people that were really close to him knew that he was living in sort of this group home um and he was you know he was um doing okay there i mean the last couple times i saw him he was living there you know i i went out and visited him not in the group home but at the diner you know down the street mm -hmm. we would meet up um and he, you know, he seemed to seemed to be doing well. Um, he had it definitely cleaned up. Uh, you know, I, I, he was not drinking. He was very clear-headed, and, and and was you know, just sort of, you know, he, he was in a good frame of mind as far as I could tell. Mm -hmm. um, and then then we just sort of lost touch with him. And and it wasn't surprising, you know, to not be in touch with Fred for months at a time, right? Um, uh, but then, uh, you know, I I got a call from his mom who basically said that she hadn't been in touch with him. Uh, and she couldn't she couldn't reach him right so that's an alarm right so you know I, I started calling the uh you know this home where he lived and I got a got a woman that answered the phone finally um and she she told me two things one was was freak don't live here anymore oh. he moved out and, okay. and that was it that was all I got was he moved out so he left apparently on his own I don't know why or what, what prompted it but he did um and then you know I was trying to trying to pry more info out of her and what she told him was if you want to know what happened to him you got to call the uh, i think las palmas police and she hung up on me wow wow so, okay um that's okay didn't need information on your loved one anyway yeah yeah well I, you know i i think from her perspective she probably said more than she felt comfortable saying i could tell she was really possibly yeah talking to a complete stranger about it anyway and maybe she knew right. something and didn't want to talk to police but you know, I, I'm glad that she at least told me to contact the police because otherwise True. I thought that he was, you know, alive and still wandering around. But, um, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I I contacted the police department and um, it, was, it, was, it was an unusual conversation because, you know, when you, when you call the police and you're, you say you're calling about a missing a missing person, the first thing you want to know is what, what's the person's name? Oh. And, uh, and I said, well, uh, his, his legal name is Freak. <laughs> <laughs> um that, that was under frederick frederick e smith jr i'm not quite sure which um and you know and, and I, I think the cop thought i was messing with him but um uh you know after sort of giving him a bunch of information and then you know then when i told him about um i, I said you know he has a uh, an mlk uh, martin luther king tattoo on his on his shoulder mm -hmm. um as soon as i said that his whole tenor changed oh um, no and uh, he said i'm gonna transfer you back to detectives and, and as soon as he said that, I just, I just knew, you know, actually I'm starting to feel it now. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, just, I just knew something was up. And then, you know, when I was talking, I'm pretty sure it was that detective Camarillo. Um, yeah. 
right? Um, and, you know, after I sort of ran down the whole story with him, he asked, you know, who I was. And I just told him, you know, I was a close friend and was really concerned. Um, and he said, well, I, I can't really talk to you anymore, but can you put me in touch with um, immediate oh. family? Oh, no. Man. So you were you were one of the first people to find out about his death, right? About yeah. his murder. Yeah, I contacted his mom and told her to oh, told wow. her to contact the police. Well, because I was I was on tour, I was coming off tour uh, uh, with Scream, and I was in Germany, and I got a call from his daughter, and she was very you know cat, and she was just very distraught, and I was distraught for, her, and I was just like, what's on? Calm down, calm down. And she told me. And then I lost it, and uh, you know, and then I had to like, you know, regroup, and you know, it was just like the life had been, you know, air had been taken out of me. Like, I, I I felt completely sucker punched. I mean, just yeah, for days, days, yeah, it was, it was yeah, very sure. devastating. You know, um, Mary, it's it's touching to see you tearing up there, and you it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think right? we all. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's a strong one in the family. <laughs> well, <laughs> try. And it's, it's like it was really because, and I guess it's that old, what's that saying? No news is good news. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 when, when I, when I, when I saw it was Cat, I was already, I think it was like, it was like, three o'clock in the morning there and I was I was like who is it first of all and I saw it was her and I was really freaking out and I was like what the heck was going on of course and that is never a call you ever want to have especially when you're far away yeah on the other yeah. side of the country yeah. or in a different country exactly you couldn't do anything to hold help or any you know right and I'm in somebody else's house I want to scream you know yeah at the top of my lungs or and whale, but uh, but I'm in somebody else's, you know, I'm in somebody else's country altogether. Yeah, that's it. So it was overwhelming, and I can say, like, not it's like it was a sucker punch, it was, I just didn't, yeah. And then, you, and of course, the five stages of grief, you start backtracking one and what happened because, it, like, like you were saying, Steve, uh, I noticed, like, at that last show. And even that we hung out and we went to, like I said, Baltimore, and he was playing off quite well. And but I remember now also that it was other issues. I remember that it was health issues that uh, it, it, I think it was like a scare, a cancer scare, of some mm -hmm. sort at one point. I, I, so think were, I don't think it was actual cancer, but he, I I think he had some 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 benign sort of tumors that were that were removed. But uh, yeah. Know, for for a, for a guy his age with no health insurance, you know, I it's mean, that's terrifying. Time he was, but you know, it was, and he was just kind of getting free, you know, free healthcare when he could, and um, mm -hmm. you know, he had to live and, and go about his life for a long time. You know, you know, I remember telling me at one point, you know, he wasn't going to be able to have have treatment on it for you know like four or five six months or something like that. But he knew he but but he knew it was something. But they hadn't they they you know because it was free health insurance, right? They just told him, you know, we'll, we'll slot you in when we can, and then right. you know, mm -hmm. go about your day, right? You know, with right. that with that hanging over your head. Yeah. 
that's... Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of curious, you know, I, I mean, I know, I mean, every once in a while I'll get a, get a text or something from Del, uh, Delor, um, Fred's mom, uh, you know, with an update, but I really haven't heard anything in, in probably a year or so. Uh, you know, unfortunately there really hasn't been much. Um, and I this do happened, have to say, I'm sorry, this happened in 2017? Yeah, August okay. 2017. So it's been about four years yeah. since this yeah. happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think the way, the way I got Mary involved, where she got, I guess, pulled in this, is, for lack of a better <laughs> word, is I would have these reoccurring dreams where I would, Fred would be there and he would say, hey, fucker. It would be, <laughs> he would just come in and go, hey, fucker, you know, who fucking killed me? This dude's bad. Oh, you got to figure it out. So like that, and he'd leave, you know, and I'd had, I've had random violence in my life with like great friends. So once I've had these dreams before, mm -hmm. usually it's before it happens. And this is like sort of unusual because it was afterwards. That and always so, freaks me out too, because when people in my life have passed away, whether it's been tragically or not, I usually have dreams after mm -hmm. um, they pass away and they're coming to me and talking to me like it's real life, like yes. in your dream. And that is when that's the thing that jars you awake and makes you freak out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about my dreams and it's really, I think Mary, it's, my dreams are very vivid, very colorful mm -hmm. and I can't even separate. I go like, well, is it, did that, what? How did Fred's dead? And friends did well, and so it made and it happened enough times so it really started to affect me. So Mary had enough courage and sense to go like, let's do something about it. Yeah. And I agreed, and and that also then another friend of mine who was murdered came to me in my dream, and, uh, and I was like, we're gonna probably get to that in another one. But uh, yeah. yes, Fred freakish, and what about this whole case is. What really tears me up is, uh, I think, if it wasn't for Steve, then if it wasn't for you checking up on him, he would be. It would still be John Doe. Yeah, he would most be. Most likely. I mean, well, eventually they yeah, would have found. Bad he would have it out, but yeah, I mean, he he was John Doe. I guess by the time I call, he had he. I, I want to say it had been two days um, that he had been John Doe. That, that no one knew who he was. Um, yeah. You know, Stephen, I have to tell you that that phone call with Detective Camarillo was like an actual turning point for him. I don't know what you said to him or what transpired or what that set in motion, yeah. but it was something about that call. Like he actually, he himself carries a lot of deep emotion for this case because it's again, the people he keeps encountering from like his mom to the people that he knew out there you know, the, the sense of love and, and, you know, like the necessity of, you know, finding some justice here. Um, he's actually been invited to leave the case a number of times and has kept it. Um, this is still a file that he keeps at his desk. And I don't know if any of you had heard this. There's actually, um, there's a sheriff's deputy in Los Angeles County who's an old DC scene kid. Who, oh. He himself routinely checks in on the case and like checks for updates. He will still email Ian when he hears stuff, like let him know, oh. like, hey, you know, so it's just it's so funny, like just how universal this whole thing has gotten. But um it's pretty lucky that you guys 
got a detective who actually gives yeah. a shit. Because yeah. you, you yeah. hear so many stories of, um, like, first of all, he was technically homeless. And second of all, he was a black man in L.A. So normally you don't hear about detectives and investigators who are willing to stay on a case like that Not for so long. Later, no. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. It's, that's what I would like to say. Like, thanks a lot, Steve. That was a great job. If it wasn't, yes. yeah. I mean, surely his mom would have definitely reached out eventually. And by then it would have been like, you know, you know, the cops themselves have to be invested. And they they do that most most cases are done by, you know, by the public interest. Sure. So mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's 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 really it shows because even now, I think, you know, nobody really knows what happened. There's always going to be speculation. But what's crazy is uh, because of his living situation and the, the detectives, if there's not enough interest by the public, pretty, I mean, they're pretty much already, I hate to say it, pretty much saying it's pretty much probably a beef between two homeless people mm -hmm. and because homeless people are so transient right they'll probably right. just let it go cold yeah well that to me that's that's what i'm hearing so yeah so but what i'm hearing from the higher sources which i believe is spirits that's why fred reached out to me in my dream and that's why i have another friend named tc who's going through like it, but it all goes through, I think it all has to lead back to what people do and what we do as a community and, and that from coast to coast and how we have to like uh, stay on point of. And make it known that there's still interest in it. Of course. And that it needs to be solved. I think that there's still interest here, but I think also one of the things that we've really noticed in talking to people is the more you talk to people, you more the more you find out that we have all been affected by yeah. senseless violence. Yeah. We all know people who are dealing with issues regarding like their mental wellness with housing insecurity. There are some there's some much larger conversations that need Definitely. to come out of this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and this is where a lot of the conversation came out about, you know, freaks life choices and being intentional is you know, would have he reacted differently in the situation if he felt like it was okay to, um, you know, talk about some of these things? Would it have been different if resources he felt comfortable accessing were available to him? Yep. You know, we'll never know, but this is a really important and ongoing conversation that unfortunately also tends to affect the music community inordinately so. Yeah, yeah definitely. Know? We've definitely talked about enough musicians where things could have ended differently with their story if there were more mental health resources, if there were more like- If we just had more honest conversations about If we just had more, exactly. yeah, honest, honest conversations. Honest conversations is basically what it, and in heartfelt conversations and and, and that's uncomfortable conversations. And, and that's safe about, spaces. And yeah. safe spaces, yeah. yeah definitely. Safe spaces, so it's really, uh, I guess we have to like just work together like we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. So and a very, awareness of, a very good start is Mary's Facebook page. Yeah, definitely. Which was is just a huge resource and an amazing thing that you guys are doing. Yeah. 
it's yeah, pretty maybe. touching to see the result or just the reactions that you've collected from the page yeah. Yeah. It's, it is nice awesome. to, it's nice to see just people like randomly posting and saying hey i remembered this thing that happened and it was really funny yeah. and let me just tell everybody in the group about this memory i have with fred so that actually leads probably to just like good final closing ups because we really want to hear mary um you know just like what you've been working on especially with you know the investigation and like what your resources are and what you want people to check out to do to help out and just a general takeaway from all of this i and guess anybody else who would like oh, to chime course, in about please. that also <laughs> Sorry. um you know as far as the investigation goes you know unfortunately all the detective could really tell me right now is there has been some sort of like recent buzz that has him continuing to feel optimistic um, unfortunately, good. when a person who's not well connected in the community kind of dies somewhat anonymously and is not discovered until the next day, you don't really, there's not a lot of information gathered. I yep. guess there's, you'll see some stuff in the press about DNA evidence. And he said, you know, unfortunately, like his home was a public bench in a public space. So How many people have been sitting on that bench. So. Exactly. Um, you know, and it's even like what a lot of his belongings, I guess, had been either taken or misplaced in the days leading up to this. So he didn't have a lot of his possessions with him, which was one of the reasons why they didn't have things like a wallet and ID, things like that. Gotcha. Um, so it's they didn't have a lot to go on. So one of the biggest things we can continue to do is kind of keep people thinking about this, keep people talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, we are, it's looking pretty optimistic that we will be able to get the initial $10,000 reward reinstated. Um, but a reward's only as good as the people who know it's out there and know that the right. case is a thing. So continued awareness is going to be huge. Um, we have some different ways about trying to pad that reward a little bit that we're working on. There's a lot going on behind the scenes right now with this, I guess I should say. Um, but again, Detective Camarillo is feeling optimistic. I'll be touching base with him again soon. Um, we've had some feelers out to the family about getting permission as far as whether or not we'll be seeing like some new beef eater merchandise or something like that on the horizon you know there's there's some cool stuff in the works but you know as far as what people can do um continue sharing the story you know the more exposure mm -hmm. we can get um we're trying to put together and this is one of the reasons why we're talking to you nice <laughs> today is getting a bit of a psa together that can be shared with you know, other media outlets. Um, LA County Sheriff is also very much behind that. Mm -hmm. um, his daughter is really heavily invested into looking into getting some billboards to kind of put up around the area um, because a lot of the people who would be in that area would not be people who would necessarily be sitting at home watching the news. Right. Um, right. Something like that would um, potentially be kind of helpful. So, um, but right now, just continuing to spread the word, continuing to talk about it, continuing to share the story any place you can get some some good exposure, really. And if people want updates on what's going on, they can join the Facebook page, correct? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, highly recommended. And that's yeah. uh, Justice for Fred Freak Smith, I believe? Yep. Yep. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So definitely, if you have invested interest or, I don't know, if somehow somebody knows anything, go look at it. Right? Go, go there. You honestly know don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, this has been a pretty amazing story to hear about. I really love all of the personal touches you guys have added and learning about how amazing of a person he was in life. And I feel like he's still making waves in death even. So 
Yeah. Still, he's definitely still alive and well in everyone's memories. Yeah. And oh my that's gosh. an amazing thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm, it was really nice to hear everybody's stories about him and a little bit of background on him. Yeah. Cause he seems like a really amazing guy that really did not deserve Oh, whatever happened to him yeah so is there anything else that you guys would like to to contribute before we sign off here i just want to say thanks to both of you for you know even bringing bringing the topic up and 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 sharing it and to to mary and enoch for you know just taking taking the mantle and running with it you know um yeah i feel like a lot of people myself included had just sort of resigned ourselves to the fact that there was going to be no resolution you know um, we're going to find out i I sort of think that as long as you keep the spirit and like like these nice people are saying it's very helpful brady (laughs) uh uh, as long as he's still with us you know in our heart and in our memories and you know fonder times but we can't just we just have to stay on Think about the founder times. We also have to come to some sort of resolve. Yeah, he deserves justice. He deserves justice just like anyone else. Absolutely, completely you know, agree. Rich or poor, you know, black or white, Chinese or you know, anything. Lebanese, Lebanese, Palestinian, everything. You know, everybody deserves justice. You know, it's just crazy the things that are going on, and we tolerate this stuff. So we have to. Yeah. Stand up. We have to just make a stand at some point. Agreed. Totally. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for being on. And we really appreciate everything you're doing. And Mm -hmm. Mary, thank you so much for for doing this. And Enoch and Steve, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. All right, guys. Nice talking. All right. It's very nice to talk to everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Bye.